0: Hey there, welcome to another episode of Cash Clarity. I'm your host, Abby Nerderman, and I'm happy as can be that you're joining me today. Have you ever wondered if business financials are misleading? Not necessarily in your own business, but just in general? What keeps a company from unknowingly creating something wrong or not quite right? And how do we know that accountants in Kansas are doing the same thing as accountants in California or Tennessee or Texas? Today I'm giving you the overview of 10 generally accepted accounting principles and guidelines that help govern the world of bookkeeping and accounting, thus making financial reporting relatively consistent with business to business. I chose this topic because bookkeepers and accountants come in all sorts of varieties, and if you're working with one, how do you know that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing if you don't have an accounting background? I know you want to trust your financials, especially if someone else is preparing them for you. I'm not implying that you'd ever work with anyone dishonest, but you want to be confident that they know what they're doing. I feel the exact same way in a lot of scenarios. For example, anytime I fly, I assume the pilot knows what they're doing. I don't pepper them with questions about what they know about flying. In fact, rarely do I get to meet the pilot, have you? But you know what? That doesn't stop me from getting on the plane and flying to my destination. Because I know that all pilots follow guidelines and checklists for safely operating the aircraft. When it comes to your bookkeeper or accountant, how can you really be sure they know what they're doing? Have you ever even thought about it? Do they follow guidelines and checklists like pilots do? The answer is they should be. Unfortunately, in the U.S., there are currently no requirements for bookkeepers to be certified or licensed, but if they are worth their salt, their work will adhere to GAAP, G-A-A-P, in other words, the Generally Accepted Accounting Principles. In fact, if a company distributes their financial statements to the public, they are required to adhere to GAAP and if the company's stock is publicly traded, then they are required to have an independent public accountant audit their accounting. Fun fact, that's what it means to have certified financial statements. Anywho, the purpose of GAAP is to standardize the way accounting is performed by providing a clear set of definitions, assumptions, and methods. Because of GAAP, we can be reasonably confident that our financials are done correctly, that they remain consistent from year to year, and they are comparable company to company. With that said, there are ten main principles that make up GAAP. The first one is called the economic entity assumption. What this principle is saying is that all of the business transactions that happen are kept separate from the business owners personal transactions. Now, legally, a sole proprietorship and its owner are considered to be one entity, but for accounting purposes, they are considered to be two separate entities. This is one of the biggest mistakes I see business owners make when they do their own bookkeeping. The best way to keep your personal spending separate from business spending is to open separate bank accounts. Free business checking accounts are easy to find at small local banks or credit unions. Alright, principle number two is called the Monetary Unit Assumption, and this one is pretty straightforward. Financial transactions are measured in U.S. Dollars. Alright, so moving right along into principle number three. This one is called the Time Period Assumption. This principle means that financial reports are presented in a distinct time interval such as weeks, months, quarters, or years. It also requires that the time interval be clearly shown in the heading of each financial statement. Alright, so far the first three principles are pretty straightforward to understand. They answer the who, what, and when questions of accounting. So the first one was the business and the business owner's transactions are separate. The second one was transactions are measured in U.S. dollars. And the third one was reports are for a specific time span and clearly labeled. Now let's go into the next one. This one is called the cost principle. And this principle essentially states that transactions are forever recorded at their original historical cost. Amounts are not adjusted for inflation and any assets that you have on the books, those values are not adjusted for an increase or a decrease in value. Principle number five is called the full disclosure principle. If certain information is important to an investor or a lender using financial statements, that information should be disclosed within the statement or in the notes to the statement. If you were to look up financial statements for Apple or Disney or any other publicly traded company, you would notice numerous pages of footnotes attached to the financial reports. As an example, let's say a company is named in a lawsuit that demands a significant amount of money. When the financial statements are prepared, it might not be clear whether or not the company will be able to win the lawsuit or if maybe they're gonna lose. As a result of those conditions and because of the full disclosure principle, the lawsuit will be described in the notes to the financial statements. You'll also often see that a company will list its significant accounting policies as a note in its financial statements. The next principle Principle number six is the Going Concern Principle. And this accounting principle assumes that a company will stay in business for the foreseeable future. This allows businesses to defer prepaid expenses into later accounting periods. For example, if you purchase a year-long software subscription, you're allowed to expense that cost out equally over the year following that purchase. So are you sticking with me so far? Let's recap principles four through six real quick. So number four was where amounts are recorded at their original historical value and are not modified for inflation or any change in value. The fifth principle is the one where information important to investors or lenders are fully disclosed. And the sixth one was the company will stay in business for the foreseeable future. Now, the seventh principle is where it starts to get a little bit more complicated to understand. And the seventh principle is called the matching principle. This accounting principle requires companies to use the accrual basis of accounting. The matching principle requires that expenses be matched with revenues. For example, wages to employees are reported as an expense in the week when the employees worked and not in the week when the employees are paid. Now that example was pretty clear, but what about things like Facebook ads? It's hard to predict the future benefit of the purchase ads and directly tie that to a singular earned revenue source. A buyer might see an ad that you ran in March, they may have seen a different one in April and then again in May, but might not have actually made a purchase until June. In this case, the expense is recorded when the ads were run, because you can't really tie the ad to a single sale. Alright, so moving into principle number eight, this is the revenue recognition principle. And this principle is like the last principle's counterpart, using the accrual basis of accounting. So where principle number seven is all about expenses, principle number eight is more on the revenue side. This one says that revenues are recognized as soon as a product has been sold or a service has been performed, regardless of when the money actually was received. For example, I might have a new client say, Abby, I am so excited to work with you. I am going to go ahead and pay for my first year of service upfront then I would say, awesome, you get 15% off for your awesomeness. And in the bookkeeping for my business, I would record the amount of revenue as I complete the service, X dollar amount for each month of the prepaid year, even though they already paid in full. So what is important to remember is that there is a big difference between revenue and the receipt of cash. All right, so basically principles seven and eight tell us to use the accrual basis of accounting. Expenses are matched to the revenue earned and revenue is recorded when a product is sold or a service is performed, not when the cash is received. Two more principles to go. Principle number nine is called materiality. This principle allows an accountant to ignore one of the other principles if the amount in question is insignificant. For example, that $5 parking expense you had to pay when meeting with a prospective customer months ago who you just provided service to now, this would allow you to ignore the matching principle, which would have required you to report the expense at the same time that you earned the revenue. Instead, you can just record that $5 parking receipt at the time that you paid it. So the materiality principle really helps give you an allowance for those really small odds and ends that happen in the normal course of business. Moving on to the last principle, principle number 10, this one is called conservatism. So if a situation comes up where there are two acceptable choices for reporting an item, conservatism tells us to choose the one that, result, that will result in the less net income and or the less asset amount. This is meant to help break a tie in the most conservative manner. The result of conservatism leads accountants to anticipate or disclose losses, but it does not allow a similar action for gains. So for example, an accountant may decide to record uncollectible accounts receivable as a bad debt preemptively. So that's all 10, let's review them one more time uh, so they're fresh in your mind. Number one is the economic entity assumption where the business and business owner's transactions are separate. Number two is the monetary unit assumption and this one is where the transactions are measured in U.S. dollars. Principle number three is the time period assumption and this says that reports are for a specific time span and clearly labeled. Principle number four is the cost principle. This one says that amounts are recorded at their original historical value and are not modified for inflation or any change in value. Principle number 5 is the Full Disclosure Principle. This one is where information important to investors or lenders are fully disclosed. Principle number 6 is the Going Concern Principle. and This is where the company will stay in business for the foreseeable future. Principles number 7 and 8 are the principles that tell us to use the accrual basis of accounting so principle number seven is the matching principle. And this one says that our expenses are matched to revenue earned. Principle number eight is the revenue recognition principle. And this one says that revenue is recorded when a product is sold or a service is performed, not when the cash is received. Principle number nine is materiality. This one says that the other principles can be ignored if the amount in question is insignificant. And then the last principle is conservatism. When faced with the choice, use the most conservative, i.e. worst case scenario option. So now I want you to go and make sure your financials adhere to at least the first four of these principles if you're doing the bookkeeping on your own. If you have a bookkeeper, have a chat with them and ask if your financials meet the GAAP standards. If you don't check in on this, and you don't have any guarantee that your financials will be consistent year to year, which could lead to a misinformation and eventually money losing decisions. Bookkeeping when done correctly will allow you to fully trust your numbers, which means you have the information you need to maximize your cash flow and make decisions that lead to a larger profit margin. Knowing the 10 gap principles should give you clarity on how your bookkeeping should be done And it'll either give you confidence in your current situation or at least provide insight on how to improve your bookkeeping. I hope you come back for the next episode because I am going to share all my best tips and tricks for collecting those pesky outstanding payments. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the show where you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to be featured in a listener shout-out in a future Cash Clarity episode, please leave a review on iTunes. Until next time.